Years ago, when we were first starting the church, I was here one day working by myself, and the doorbell rang. So I made my way down to the door, opened the door, and there was this man who looked very official. He said, I am the Cambridge City Building Inspector. In my mind at the moment, I thought several things. One, I didn't know this man existed, nor what he does. Two, I certainly therefore did not know he was coming that day. And three, I didn't know what he might come looking for. And four, in light of the state of the building at that time, I was thinking to myself, whatever he's looking for, this is probably not going to go very well. And it didn't. He left us, he didn't like close us down, but he left us a, a pretty good list of things that needed to be changed or needed to be updated or needed to be repaired. To this day, I still get nervous anytime he shows up. Even though we've done a lot of things over the years, I still, my blood pressure goes up. Why is he here? Couldn't he have called ahead as he shows up? Many people, perhaps most, have some understanding that Jesus will come back to this world. He'll return. And some people wonder, what will that be like? Will he be like that inspector? Will he come in a way that we don't understand? When he comes, do we have any idea what he's looking for or what he's expecting? Will we have any idea of what might prepare the way or point to his return? And so we lean towards sort of one extreme or the other, either sort of fear on edge, obsession with this topic, or ignoring the very reality. I don't understand, I don't know what it will be like, and so I'm going to just act like it isn't going to happen at all. But fortunately, Jesus, as in every area, helps us here. He gives us explanation, preparation for what is to come. And friends, that's what we'll see in our text this morning. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, to Matthew 24. Today we'll be in Matthew 24, beginning in verse 29. And you can find that on page 830 in the Bibles we provided for you, page 830. I encourage you to open up a copy of the Bible, just so you can see the text in front of you today as we work our way through it. If you're newer to reading the Bible, when you open it up, the larger numbers are the chapter numbers. So we'll be in chapter 24. The smaller numbers are the verse numbers. We'll start in verse 29, and we'll make our way through verse 51. And if you don't own a copy of the Bible, we as a church would love to give you one today as a gift. Uh, at the back of the room, there's a stack of Bibles, a sign that says free Bibles. Please swing by there, grab one of those Bibles, and take it with you as our gift to you today. So Matthew 24, beginning in verse 29. These are the words of Jesus. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He will send out his angels with a trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as this branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see all these things, you know that he is near 
at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. They were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake, would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant, whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed, and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This morning we see an emphasis for us to seek to engage in, and that is this. Be ready for the return of the king. Be ready for the return of the king. And we'll look at our passage in four parts. Be informed. Be discerning. Third, be alert. And be faithful. So first, be informed. Second, be discerning. Third, be alert, and fourth, be faithful. I know I typically would have two points or three points, but I missed the last two Sundays. I've just got a lot to say. We'll see about that. But four parts to our passage this morning. So first, we see be informed in verses 29 through 31. Now, our passage continues the teaching that Jesus gave to his disciples last week. This is happening in the week leading up to Jesus' crucifixion. We started last week in chapter 24, verses 1 to 28. So so it's continuing right with that. And here in verses 29 to 31, Jesus speaks of a coming day. And he says this, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. And then he continues on. So we first want to try to understand what Jesus means by this timing. Jesus is clear, but it does take work for us to understand what it is he's saying in this passage and and which times he's referring to here and there. So he says it's going to happen immediately after the tribulation of those days. So it's important then, what does he mean by those days? Now the flow of this entire chapter, this teaching, it would refer to the entire period we saw outlined last week in verses 4 through 28. And there, Jesus described the time between Jesus' resurrection and ascension and his return. So this entire period called these last days, often in the New Testament. During that time, we saw that there were these various birth pains that mark 
the, the world in between. Things like false teachers who are seeking to lead people astray, wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes and famines, the persecution of believers, and the spread of the gospel, the gospel being pro- proclaimed to the world. And then one particular birth pain we saw, which is the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem that happened in AD 70. So this period between Jesus' ascension and his return is what you and I are living in now, this period called the last days. So therefore, we should expect as we live today in this world, we will experience to varying degrees what's outlined between verse 4 and verse 28. And we know this to be true. We, we too experience wars and rumors of wars. We too see and experience earthquakes and famines. We hear of false teachers. Persecution happens to believers. And the gospel is being proclaimed around the world. So Jesus says, after this time, there will be this incredible cosmic event. And he uses vivid imagery to describe it. The sun and the moon are darkened and stars fall from the sky. Then in heaven, there will be this sign of the Son of Man. We're not clear exactly what that means in in the language here, but but it is that it is clear the Son of Man has come. And in fact, we'll see him coming. All in the world will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds in power and in glory. Now, the title Son of Man, as we've seen throughout Matthew, refers to the promised one, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. We're now seeing, is that one, God the Son? Jesus, the returning and reigning king, will come. He is coming, and he will send out his angels, we're told, to gather in what are called the elect. The elect refer to those who've heard the good news of Jesus Christ and responded in faith. They've, they've turned to Christ and trusted him as Savior and king. And as we see in verse 30, at the same time, all the tribes of the earth will mourn. This morning is sadness that the time of judgment has come to them. Now, in the scriptures, we have a glorious promise that as the gospel spreads around the globe, at the end, there will be some from every nation and every tribe and every tongue worshiping the Lamb. That is a glorious promise that is a part of our mission now for all who are Christians, that we would go and tell that those would hear and believe and that more and more of them would. And even as that happens, not all do believe. We've seen that across the Gospel of Matthew. Some do trust in Jesus, but so many reject him. They refuse him. And the same happens today and the same has happened across history. So we see here this weightiness, the mourning of people facing judgment. And so we see the coming to a head here. The the judgment comes, the mourning comes, and Jesus comes to gather up his people. So we're going to notice here that Jesus is telling us, he's telling all people across history, this day is coming. And when Jesus comes, it will not be a secret. It'll be visible. It will be evident to all. There will be no question, is that Jesus? Is that the true king? Is that God who has come near? And friends, this return is good news for those who've trusted in Christ. 
The text today doesn't get into elements of that, but, but with this return, finally there will be an end to Satan and sin, to suffering and to death. Finally, at this return, we will be with our God forever in the new heavens and the new earth. As Jesus was saying these words, it was just a few days before his glory would be displayed in a different way. It will be displayed when he returns. It also was displayed as Jesus hung on the cross. God the Son who came, that his glory might be held in this unique way as people mocked, as they scoffed, as they saw it as everything but glorious. And friends, there's no question his glory was displayed. The very Son of God, perfect, sinless, dying in the place of sinners like you and me, paying for our sin and our rebellion so that we can know free and full forgiveness through this free gift of salvation. We can be reconciled to God, adopted into God's own family, transformed. The righteousness of Jesus credited to us as he took our sins upon himself. Friends, that's the glory that we hope in this free gift of salvation held out to any and all. And friend, if you're not a Christian today, that's what we want you to see, perhaps to begin to explore. Could there be someone who would give his life in the place of those who were opposed to him? Could there be something called salvation that's only a gift? that is not earned through our religious devotion, through our working towards good lives, but it must be received as a gift. And a gift that changes everything, life now and life eternal. And friend, if you're not a Christian, we would just love for you to know more of that. So you're so very welcome week in and week out to explore this message with us. If at some point you'd like to know more, we would love to tell you that. So following the service, I'll be at the door. If you'd like to chat, I would love to chat with you. Or if you came with a friend or family member, if they're a Christian, they would love to tell you more as well. Jesus tells us here a day is coming when he will gather in all those who trust in him. And all those who reject him will face eternal judgment. And friends, this is why it's so vital that we tell others the good news of Jesus Christ. We have received this grace are to go and tell of this grace. We have known this gift of salvation are to go and tell others of the glorious Savior. Now, some, Christ, some Christians become obsessed with this reality, focusing on trying to determine exactly how it's going to play out. We'll see in a moment why that's unwise. But probably for most Christians... I think at least for most of us today, our temptation is not obsession. It's not being overly focused on this. But instead, the temptation for me, and probably for most of us, is to live as if this isn't actually going to happen. Or just push it aside in our mind. Or this, the busyness of life keeps us preoccupied. But this has no relevance for our daily living. And some think, some who are not Christians think, and perhaps this is what you think, think, well, if there is a time when Jesus returns, then before then, I will believe in him before he returns. So if it's true 
Before he returns, I will be sure and take that step. It's very possible that you mean that. And many people apply the same thing to death. That before death comes, I will make this decision. But friends, we'll see it's an unwise choice. For we don't know when Jesus will return. So in order to be ready, Jesus wants us to be informed. But then second, we see that we're to be discerning in verses 32 to 35. Jesus uses a series of images or or parables to teach us here. So he first uses a brief parable of the fig tree. This lesson is based on the common observation of the world of that day. As the fig tree starts to have these small new branches that are tender as it puts out leaves, this means summer is near. That doesn't happen in the middle of winter. It doesn't happen in the fall. It only happens as spring begins and turns into summer. Friends, so it is in greater Boston. But we look out the window, perhaps you did this week, and, and you saw trees with leaves now, flowers that are budding, weeds where your grass should be, pollen making you miserable. All those are, are signs that the spring is here and summer is coming. Now the tree, the fig tree doesn't bring about summer, but the fig tree is a, a sign, it's a pointer. It says summer's almost here. Summer always follows the coming of the leaves on the fig tree. So Jesus says, verse 33, so also when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. So all these things are like the new growth on the fig tree. But what are all these things? Here too, they most naturally refer to what we saw in verses 4 through 28. So it refers to the entirety of those what were called birth pains. So these are happening. These are the things. These are the leaves on the fig tree. And the next major step that follows is the return of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus says, this means he's near. It doesn't mean he's here at this very moment, but it does mean he's near. When near is in the time frame is unknown to us. How long before Jesus comes, we are not told. So these events are not intended for us to be able to pinpoint a time frame, but it is for us to know where we are in the grand plan. And where we are is in these last days, and the next step is the return of Christ. It's for us to simply know Jesus, his return is near. But you might reasonably ask, as I have wondered at times, but why hasn't Jesus returned yet? Why hasn't he returned in generations of the past? Why hasn't he returned today? Why not tomorrow? As we'll see, the fact is only the Father knows the timing. And only he knows all the reasons behind the timing that he has chosen. But at least part of the reason we find in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. Listen to the words of the Apostle Peter. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness and said he is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So one of the reasons that this is delayed is that the gospel would go forward more and more would hear. God is patient, incredibly patient, more patient than any of us would ever be. 
His desire is that people here in Cambridge and people in nation after nation and and faraway village after faraway village would hear the saving news of Jesus Christ. They would repent and believe. Jesus says in verse 34 that this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. And again, we have this moment trying to figure out, okay, which is that? Which generation is he talking about? And what are all these things? This generation refers to the generation that Jesus was talking to that day. It's a generation of Jesus' disciples. And he says to them that that generation will not pass away until all these things happen. Now, he's not saying that all would be complete during their lifetime. He's saying some of the things outlined in verses 4 through 28 will play out during that generation. History shows that's what happened. Some of all those things happened. There were earthquakes and famines, wars, rumors of wars, persecution. All those happened within that first generation of believers. And even for them, the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. So by saying this, Jesus was not saying that all these things would happen and come to an end in that generation, but that all of those things would happen in the generation and in every generation after them until Jesus returns. So friends, we'll be helped if we let the signs be regular reminders to us. So that when we live in this world and we hear the unfortunate news of wars and rumors of wars, when we see the pain of earthquakes and famines, when we experience opposition or persecution, when we're aware of false teachers There are numerous things that can come from that, but one of those should remind us. When we live in this time, Jesus is near. We must live in light of that. We don't live in this window where it's it's never ending. There is a time when Jesus will return. His return is near. So we shouldn't be lulled into believing that it's still winter in the seasons of God's hand. This should not cause us to be frantic, though. But it should keep us from thinking that we're in a different season than we really are. So I wonder if you're honest, do do you ever give thought to where we are in history? And in particular, where we are in God's grand history? In his plan? Does that thought cross your mind? Where are we? When is Jesus returning? What do these events mean for the world today? So we want to be discerning in order to be ready. And then third, we also want to be alert. Be alert, verses 36 to 42. Now back in verse 3, the disciples asked Jesus a question. When will these things be? And it's a question that Christians have wondered ever since then. When will they be? Just tell me when they will be. It's an honest question. It can be asked for a good and right desire. When specifically will Jesus Christ return? It's essential that we see Jesus' answer. Look down at verse 36. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. Friend, Jesus could not be more clear. Only the Father knows. 
So therefore, none of us can know. No human can know. No human author can know. No TV preacher can know. No preacher here can know. None of us know. Therefore, it's a waste of time for any of us to spend our days trying to calculate specifically when Jesus might return. It's a waste of time to read books that are about specifically when Jesus. It's a waste of money to buy those books as well. But friends, it's never ending in every generation. I can remember clearly when I was in college walking to this bookstore and there were multiple books saying why this sign in history at that time. So, so the, the Iraq war certainly was the sign that Jesus was going. Well, that, that one got pushed aside. And then it was the next situation. And then it was this. And then it was that. And there's always this. People build their lives around this. But not just authors, sometimes just individual Christians. And we give ourselves to in-depth study of this. I commend the desire to study about the work of Jesus. My friend, let's just trust Jesus' word here that says, you can't know, no one knows. There are better things to invest our time and energy in than trying to zero in on a particular day. We can be absolutely certain about a couple of things. It is going to happen. Jesus is near and will return. And second, we don't know when it's going to happen. None of us do. None of us will. Now, after telling his disciples that no one can or will know, he instructs them and us that we need to live in a way that is alert. In verses 37 to 39, he teaches from the example of Noah that we find in the book of Genesis. So Noah was building this ark as God had instructed him, and it was a very substantial ark, and so it, it took a long time to build it. The flood had been promised by God, but it had not yet come. And in the meantime, the people of that day were eating and drinking. They were marrying and being married. And then suddenly, and then very abruptly, it seemed, the flood came. Now, by this, Jesus is not saying that eating and drinking and marrying were sinful. But he's saying that those are just simply the actions of normal life. Every culture does that. Eat and drink and marry and be given in marriage. And friends, this is where we find ourselves now as we live today in these last days. During these days, although there will be difficulties and persecution and wars and earthquakes, life continues around the globe with these very normal rhythms of eating and drinking of marrying, being given in marriage. So Jesus wants us to understand through this that his return will come suddenly. Even though he has told us it will happen, when it does happen, it will come in what seems to us to be in a very sudden way. So therefore, he wants us to live with vigilance as we await his return. We must not allow the ongoing normal actions of life that, that can be good and enjoyable and even glorifying to God. Eating and drinking, celebrating marriage, and so many other aspects of life can be done by God's people to the glory of God. So we should embrace that and do those in a way that glorifies God, but we also must not lose sight that there is more than day-to-day -day living. So we live with a vigilance, not being lulled to sleep, understanding that Jesus is returning. The sudden and unexpected nature is also illustrated in verse 40 and 41. Look down at verse 40. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. 
Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. And each pair, they're experiencing the same circumstances of life. They're both in the field or they're both grinding in the mill. They could be co-workers. They could also be siblings. There's no distinction between them. But one is taken and one is not. That's not clear whether the point is that those who are taken are taken as the elected we saw earlier or they're taken in judgment. But the point is the same. The return of Christ will seem sudden and will seem unexpected. Some will be ready. Some will not. So how is someone ready? How are we ready for the return of Christ? As we've seen across the gospel of Matthew, it is to, to see Jesus for who he is, the glorious Savior. He alone can save. He's made a way for us to be saved. So we turn to him by faith. We trust in him and follow him. That is how we are ready for the return of Jesus. Jesus then drives on the point, verse 42, Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. So because we can't know when he's returning, we must be alert, awake, prepared for his coming. Verses 42 to 44, Jesus gives us another aspect of that. He says, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was going to break into his house, he would have known to have people watching at that time. If he would have known it was between midnight and 3 a.m., that's when he would have had security, but he didn't know. So therefore the thief was able to break in unexpectedly and take what was his. And again, drive, Jesus drives home the point from that in verse 42. Therefore, you must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So Jesus says to his disciples and to us, stay awake. Be alert. Don't be lulled to sleep by even the good aspects of this world. Yes, embrace them. We should glorify God in very, every action we take part in. But be careful. Don't begin to live only in today and for today. To be alert, though, friends, is not to live frantically, not with a paranoia, but intentionally, thoughtfully, and with vigilance. It's hard to strike a good balance of that. Sometimes there, there are Christians who are thinking in light of this, but they're unable to enjoy anything in this life. They're unhelpful to others because they're, they're so wound up on this one particular aspect. They, they're not doing any work to try to tell of Jesus as they await his return. Or there's the other side where we give no thought to that. Everyone, we should also know that the, the reason for these words, Jesus is not trying to scare us into certain actions. But he wants to prepare us, to equip us, to inform us that we might live well. Often Christians have used this idea of the return of Jesus, unfortunately, as a means to try to scare people into belief. There have been all sorts of really bad Christian movies made to try to scare people. And don't go looking for them. Fortunately, they're all you know, VHS, so you probably can't get access to them. But when I was a kid, it seemed like every year there was a tape that was coming out and another way of scaring you about the thief in the night of how he's going to come. But it, but it was simply using this as a, as a means to terrify. But Jesus is instructing his disciples. He's instructing us. 
that we'd be aware, not terrified, but diligent, not asleep, alert, engaged in the world. So in order to be ready, we must be alert. And then fourth, we also must be faithful. Jesus describes how are we to live as we await his return. Jesus asked the question to get at that, verse 45, who then is the faithful and wise servant? We see in the text, he's the one who's been set over the household, who orders the work, provides the meals. And when the master comes home and finds the faithful servant diligently working, he places even more under his authority. But on the other hand, Jesus describes other servants. that when the, the imaginary master is away and they think to themselves, the master's delayed. He's not coming back anytime soon. So therefore, I'll do whatever I want. And so he abuses those under his authority. He's wicked and unfaithful. Jesus says that master will come home unexpectedly. That servant will face harsh punishment. This is a story that Jesus tells to illustrate a point, not intending that every point of it would be understood literally, but his point is clear. Some servants are faithful and wise. Others are foolish and lack diligence. Friends, what does Jesus desire for us to be? While we await his return, faithful and wise. And what does that look like? Well, across the Gospel of Matthew, we've seen, one, it is to, to live trusting in Christ. It's to live knowing and, and obeying God's word. It is to give ourselves, we saw just a few weeks ago, to, to loving God and loving neighbor. To give our energy, our days, to glorifying God, joining in the spread of the gospel to, to neighbor to stranger, to the nations. And Jesus really leaves this question hanging for us in verse 45. Who then is the faithful and wise servant? So it's a question for each of us to consider today. Are you faithful and wise? In the way that you're living now, awaiting the return of Jesus, are you living faithfully, and with wisdom. And none of us do this perfectly. Only Jesus is. Friends, the good news is there is grace and forgiveness for our unfaithfulness. It may be that honestly, as you think about the last month, you've been unfaithful. You've not been a wise servant. But the good news is there is repentance for us. There is forgiveness and change by the Spirit in us. So we want to be honest with God with ourselves, confessing sin to God, turning back to Christ. As we look at our passage today, if we read it, it seems a bit redundant. Jesus gives multiple images on almost the same point. So I wonder, couldn't Jesus have boiled this down to one paragraph instead of multiple paragraphs? Did he have to say it from all these different angles? Well, it seems the reason that Jesus is redundant in this way is because he knows us best. He knows me well. He knows us well. He knows we, we need to hear this from a variety of angles to, to, to try to actually wake us up to listen and to hear. He knows what we'll be tempted to do and what we'll be tempted not to do. He knows that many of us will be tempted to live foolishly trying to calculate the specific date of his return. That's why he says, don't do that. It's unwise. No one knows except the Father. 
but he also knows we'll always be tempted to complacency, to only live in the moment of day-to-day, lulled to sleep, that we need a wake-up call like this for us, that we would be alert and discerning. We'd seek to be ready. And the good news is, this that he's called us to, he will empower us by the Spirit. For the very Spirit dwells in you as a Christian. He will enable us to be awake, to be ready, to be alert, to be diligent and faithful. Friends, this is one of the many reasons we need a local church. One, we need other Christians to help us from being unwise. So that if you began to become a person who was calculating the day of Jesus' return, you begin to dive deep into that, spending hours working on that, it would be good and wise to have brothers and sisters who would come to you and say, that's just an unwise investment. Jesus has told us, don't do that. There's some other things we could give our time to. That's a helpful thing to have other brothers and sisters to speak into. And on the other side, if and when we become complacent, lulled to sleep, like me on a Sunday afternoon on the couch. Sound asleep, comfortable, no interest in anything else in the world. But we need other Christians to wake us up at times, to encourage us with the words of Jesus, be ready, be alert, be awake, be diligent. Friends, Jesus is returning for his people, for all of his people. So let us live in a way so that we are ready for that day.